Good morning. Well, this is week three of a series called Upgrade. If you're here for the first time, thanks for coming, checking out our church, finding out a little bit more about LifePoint. We are in some messages where we're talking about how we can trade the wisdom that we have, which is often, most often, always, 100% of the time, flawed. But we can trade that in for a wisdom that's even greater, and that is God's wisdom. And you need to know that what we believe at our church is that at the basis, at the core, at the foundation of everything that we're talking about in this series and any series is this belief that the ultimate wisdom of God is Jesus Christ. And that by understanding and entering into a relationship with him, you will be able to live the life you're meant to live. In fact, Jesus said that he's here. He came to earth so we could live a full life. But so many times people don't live that full life because of decisions that we make, directions we choose to go in, and things that we choose to do. So by, by trading in our wisdom and beginning to live by God's wisdom, we can get to the destination of that full life in a much more effective way. Anybody live with someone that is horrible with directions? Anybody in your house? I mean, they don't know north, south, east, or west. Don't even ask them. This is north. That's all they know. You know, north is up. And you, you don't send them out to get something and say, well, go, you know, three miles and turn left. They have no concept of distance or direction. Now, tell the truth. Who, who knows somebody like that? Yeah, several of us. We know folks that just have no direction. But then there are other people who were born with this ability to like spatially like get what direction they're going in. And they can always say, oh, that's east, that's north, that's west, that's south, and just get it. And they're like a bloodhound. You know, they can find what they're supposed to be looking for. So whether or not you're good with directions is not what's real important. What's good, what, what's important is that you're good with life direction. And that you understand that there is a destination that God wants all of us to travel towards. And that is that full life. And we often don't get there because of our lack of wisdom. And so for four weeks, we're sharing some wisdom upgrade principles. If you haven't been here for the other two weeks, please go to our website, click on resources, and you can listen to the last couple of weeks. We, we've shared two different principles. The first principle was... My direction, not intention, determines my destination. Now, you remember what mama said about intentions. It's not good to live just on intentions. And we may intend to be at a certain place financially. We may intend to be at a certain place relationally and spiritually. But then our actions say something completely different. Our direction is completely different. So it's our direction that determines our destination not just, hey, I want to be thinner, so I want to have a healthier relationship, so I want to have a, a better financial stability in my family, so just the intention to do that is not going to get you there. You have to go in a direction, and that will get you to the destination. That was wisdom principle number one. Wisdom principle number two was my decisions today determine my future destination. And we talked about how people who seem to make better decisions have this connection between now and where they want to go. 
teenagers who have the ability to connect their life now in the face of a lot of temptations, have the ability to connect that with the future and where they want to be 10 years or 20 years from now, just make better decisions. We read this verse where King Solomon told us that the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. He's saying there are people who are wise or prudent that see danger and they step back and think, okay, what, what should I do here? But then there are those people who just live day to day. They don't connect the dots. They don't think, well, this action today is going to affect this goal down the road. And they just go for it. And Solomon says they suffer for it. And so we're looking at some specific teachings from this guy named Solomon, who God called the wisest man who ever lived. I'm going to be reading several different excerpts from his writings. You can grab one of those Bibles that are coming down the aisles right now if you don't have one. Just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. It's yours to keep if you would like an extra Bible. Or if you would just like to borrow one, you can do that and leave it in the back. Or you can also read on the screens. All the scriptures I read will be up there as well. Well, a few months ago, Apple came out with a new operating system for your iPhone, your iPad. And if you downloaded it, you lost something you used to have. And that was Google Maps, which... Most always got me where I needed to go, but they came up with a better map system, the Apple map app. And it was so bad that the Australian government literally put out a warning. Don't use the Apple map app. It'll get you lost because people were putting in this certain park in Australia and they were getting lost in the outback in the desert. And they had to make dozens of rescues in 115 degree temperatures where there was little water because people had run out of gas and there was no water and there was heat. And so they said, don't trust the map. Don't use the Apple map. It won't get you there. And so they had rescue after rescue. Well, Solomon gives us a map. He gives us a source that will show us where to go. And that is God's wisdom. That will show us how to navigate life. That will show us how to manage our money or have better relationships. And Solomon gives us some really specific advice on this is how you should live. If you want to get to that full life that Jesus promised. You may not know, you may have never heard of Solomon. Maybe you didn't grow up going to church and hearing the Bible stories. And you may wonder, well, how did Solomon get all this wisdom? Anyway, he's just a guy in scripture. There's nothing supernatural about him. He's just a regular guy. How did he get it? Well, King Solomon was a guy who lived about 900 years before the birth of Christ. And his dad was King David. If you've heard of David and Goliath, if you've ever read the Psalms, David wrote the Psalms. And one of his sons, his name is Solomon. And when David died, Solomon became king. And then after Solomon was about 20 years old, God came to him in a dream. And he said this in the book of first Kings chapter three, verse five, this is what God said to Solomon, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Wouldn't that be awesome? And you knew that God was saying, ask for whatever you want. Does anybody have, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you have a 20 year old, because Solomon was 20 when he, when God said this to him, could you imagine going to your 20 year old and saying, you just ask whatever you want and it's yours. 
first they're going to be like, are you serious? Are, are you, are you dying? I mean, what's the deal? I mean, would you even expect a 20 year old to give you a reasonable request when you said, ask me for whatever you want? That's what God did with Solomon. He said, Solomon, you have a blank check. And here's how Solomon responded. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David. But I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen. The greatest people, the great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And this is how God responds. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you've not asked, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies. Wouldn't that be tough? God said anything you want. I mean, I probably wouldn't ask anybody to die, but wouldn't you ask things like, could you give them a bad rash maybe, or just something that's going to make their life a little more uncomfortable, but he didn't do that. He said, so he asked for discernment. In administering justice, God says, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart. So there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime, you will have no equal among kings. Now, this request to have wisdom and discernment came from a young man who had grown up royalty, who had grown up in the king's house. What level of education do you think Solomon would have had? The best. How intelligent do you think he must have been? Probably very much. How wise do you think he probably already was on his own? Probably very wise already. In fact, he was wise enough to know what he didn't know. If you can just get to that place in life, things will be a little smoother. If you can just get to the place where you know what you don't know. Now, I've figured out some things I don't know in life. I don't know how to work on a car. I can do basic things. I could maybe change a battery, maybe. But every time I try, I break something. I strip something. And then I have to go to the store, get another one. It usually costs more time and more money than if I'd just taken it to the shop and said, hey, fix this thing that's wrong. So now, Cinda and I know when the car's not acting right, I don't raise the hood. I just go on to where it's supposed to be fixed and I say, fix this. And it's usually cheaper and less time to do that. I know what I don't know. Solomon was like that. He knew. He had this huge task ahead of him to lead and govern a nation at 20 years old. And he said, God, I don't, I don't have the wisdom that it takes. I need for you to give me the wisdom. Even though he was educated probably to devise great schemes and strategies, Solomon asked God for wisdom because he knew where wisdom came from. See, choosing the right path It doesn't start with your smarts or your position or your money. His wisdom was not enough. Solomon's wisdom just wasn't enough. He needed more. And where he started was with something I can describe in one word that is not a popular word in our culture. Solomon started with submission. 
submission to God. Now, we live in a culture that thinks that's a dirty word. Because most of the time, people don't want to submit to any authority outside of themselves. The only authority they want is whatever authority they can find deep inside their heart, blah, blah, blah. That's how a lot of people live. Well, if it, it's just what I feel and it's just, and, and I don't impose any authority on me, but Solomon submitted to God's will and rule and understood and acknowledged God, this wisdom that I need can only come from you. And so he submitted to it. I was doing a wedding ceremony once and the, one of the people asked, I don't want to say submission. They also didn't want to say obey. In their, in, in their ceremony. And I was just like, I was looking at the guy like, are you serious? I mean, are you ready for this, man? I mean, you really, you really know what you're getting into here? I'm, I don't, I'm not that skilled at marriage counseling. So uh, six months they were divorced. So there was some submitting going on, but it was only half the, half the equation. So Solomon gives us advice on how we should view this idea of submitting. He says this, Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That reveals to us wisdom upgrade principle number three, which is where I place my trust determines my destination. So if I want to live the full life Jesus promised me, then I have to understand where my trust should be placed. When Solomon said trust in the Lord, if you read that in its original language, this idea of trust just wasn't, it was a little deeper than what we think of when we think trust. His idea of trust was full and complete face down. It means face down submission, which means God, I got nothing in my hands. I got nothing. I'm face down in front of you. I totally, completely trust you. That's what Solomon meant by trust in the Lord. Fully submit to him. And then he said, lean not on your own understanding. And the word picture would be something that is propped up by something else. So he's saying, don't prop your life up. Don't bank your life and your future on your understanding, your desires and your emotions. Solomon is saying, in spite of how smart you are, in spite, of, in spite of how old or wise or wealthy or experienced you think you are, it's not enough to prop up your life. So you need to get wisdom. So wait a minute. Solomon said you need to get wisdom a couple of weeks ago. We read that. But now he's saying, hey, don't trust your wisdom. Trust God. So what's he mean? Get wisdom, but don't trust in wisdom. It means don't trust your wisdom that comes from you. This is a struggle. It's a struggle for church, for us as church leaders. If you've been with us for a little while, you remember the days in the two movie theaters when we met there. And when we met for years and years in those movie theaters, five plus years, we're meeting, trying to figure out. We're packed and, and have no more space. And we're trying to buy this piece of property or this warehouse or this land and, and trying so hard to make something work. And there was just a time that I was just so frustrated. 
Us leaders got together and I was just like, maybe God wants us to be portable forever. I don't like that because I've got this plan for growth and this plan. If we could just find a place and this plan. And we got so tired of trying to figure out how can we get a permanent home of our own? How can we get our own space that we met together? And many of you were there. And we met in that little theater and we prayed one Sunday night. And a lot of what that prayer said was, God, we are willing to do whatever. If you want us to be portable, setting up and tearing down till our bodies can't handle it anymore, that's what we're going to do. We're going to stop searching. I'm going to stop spending a couple days a week trying to strategize about what's next. This is your church. If you want it to be portable, so be it. We'll just be obedient and we'll live in that. And within weeks, things happened that came to us. Nothing that Donnie figured out. I'm not that smart. Nothing that I strategized and and used leadership principles to make happen. A couple things fell in our lap that led us on the path we're on now that you're enjoying with a whole lot more people. And a building that's about to be open this year down the street. And being given our building that we have on Western Boulevard. None of that was even in play that night when we said, God, we don't know what we're supposed to do. So we gave up our wisdom and started using God's. And that's what Solomon is trying to get us to do. See, all of those Australians that relied on their map app, they got lost. And they lost some hours and they lost some time. Even though they had the address in there and they thought... They believed they were going the right direction because how could Siri be wrong, you know? (laughs) They think they're going to this park, but they're getting lost in the outback. This deathly desert. And the consequences of them getting lost was they lost some hours and, and maybe some sweat and maybe some time and some fuel. Our consequence of getting lost in life could result in bankruptcy. It could result in a marriage that ends. It could result in us being depressed to where we think life has nothing more for us. It can cause us to lose a decade if we get off track. So Solomon is trying to say, don't lean on your understanding. It won't get you through life. But God's will. Just submit to it and trust it. So Solomon goes on to say in Proverbs 3... Now in verse six, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So Solomon gives instructions, three things he instructs us to do. Trust, lean not and acknowledge. Acknowledge God with everything. What would my life look like if I acknowledged God with all of my relationships? If I acknowledged God with my money? If I acknowledge God with my job and with everything in my life, what would it look like? Well, Solomon tells us what it will look like. He will make your paths straight. And what he's really saying is clear. When you trust, when you lean not on your understanding, when you acknowledge God in all areas of your life and allow him into all areas of your life, no matter how smart, and experience you think you are, there's a promise that goes with this verse, and that is that your path will be clear. 
So I would have to conclude then, if I'm at a point in life where the path isn't clear, and I don't know where to turn, and I'm not sure where this is spo- what, I'm, what I'm supposed to do, and what I'm supposed to react like in this situation, then maybe I'm not trusting, maybe I'm leaning on my own understanding, and maybe I'm not acknowledging God in that area of my life. Now, we're human, it's not if this isn't perfect, we're not going to do this all the time. But just think about that. Maybe there's no clarity because there's not the trust. And there's too much relying on our way. And there's not enough acknowledgement of who God is in every area of our lives. Because where I place my trust determines my destination. Now, there's a lot of things competing for our trust. And so it's really hard. It's really difficult not to trust and things that will let us down. It's difficult. That was even hard for Solomon to do. So no wonder if it was hard for the wisest man who ever lived. Not to trust in himself. His own understanding. You think it's going to be hard for us. Less smart and wiser than Solomon. Yes. I'll answer it for you. It's going to be difficult. Even Solomon went wrong. Even he made mistakes. When the nation of Israel was established, God gave them laws. He gave them rules for protection, not just to make them like robots, but to say, look, do these things and life's going to go better for you. And one of the things God told the leaders of the nation of Israel not to do was marry people from other nations. Now, is that because God is a racist? Of course not. It's because God wanted The leaders to lead. And he knew, well, if these leaders, if they start marrying from other nations, then everybody's going to think it's okay. Because so goes the the king, so would go the nation. So so, So God is saying, don't marry people from other nations. Because if you do that, then your subject will all do it. And the reason he didn't want him to do it, there were two big reasons. One was, they want, God wanted the nation of Israel to trust completely in him. And the reason... People would marry people from other nations, especially kings would marry king's daughters from other nations was because they wanted protection. It immediately got you an ally with that other nation. So if you wanted less enemies and more friends and you were a king, then you need to start marrying women from other nations. And that would get you an alliance with them and you would you would have common enemies. So that was one reason. Another reason was God knew that it would pull their hearts after other gods. So other nations mean nations that worship gods that are false. And God did not want his people getting in a situation where their heart was pulled towards another god. So he said, don't marry people from other nations. But Solomon, in all of his wisdom, thought, I'm leading this big nation. I got a lot of responsibility. So I'm going to marry Pharaoh's daughter who was Egyptian. So he started with that. But all of a sudden, Israel and Egypt had peace. Then he thought, well, that worked. What if I got another one from another nation? And so he did it. And it started working. And he devised this plan that if I marry the the daughters of leaders of other nations, it creates peace. God wants our nation to be have peace and be protected. So this must be okay. I know what God said, but I'm wise. 
He said, he also said, I was wise, so I can handle this. Not a big deal. Here's how it played out. First Kings chapter 11. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines that led him astray. Now, I try not to question scripture, but, it, it, but to, say, to say that the wisest man who ever lived made a conscious choice to have 700 mother-in-laws, it makes me doubt a little bit until I read the rest of the story. 700 wives. And then if you have, let's say he ended up with 700 meddling mothers-in-law. That's 1,400 voices pulling him away from his God. And he thinks he's so wise that he's going to be able to say, oh, that's good. I can, I can stand it. 1,400 women talking into his ear. And he thinks he can handle it. Listen how that played out. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of his father David had been. He followed, followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon rationalized trusting his wisdom more than God's. Probably thinking, I can, I can deal with this. I'm the wisest man who ever lived. God, I know you have a plan, but do you realize, God, that I am protecting our nation? I am, I am bringing peace to the land over the nation you gave me to lead. So in Solomon's strategy, in his execution of the plan, he thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was bringing peace to the nation of Israel. So now pay attention to this because Solomon... He was on the wrong path the moment he ignored what God said. The moment he married Pharaoh's daughter, he was on the wrong path. And God's God's wisdom said, don't marry foreign women because they'll turn your hearts after other gods. But God, this is a great deal. You know, all of these probably beautiful women that were king's daughters and he gets that. Plus there's peace in the land. How could this be a bad thing? And God, maybe Solomon started to rationalize it by thinking, now I know God said don't marry foreign women, but maybe he didn't really, maybe he meant do marry foreign women. I mean, that's how people get when they want to justify their decisions or their life with scripture. It's like, well, God really didn't mean that. He really meant the opposite. So Solomon would have had to rationalize that in his mind that although God said that, God really didn't mean that. And how many of us have gone down doing exactly what Solomon did? Just whatever he felt like was right within himself. God, this seems like it makes sense. It seems like it's what I ought to do. And then later in life, Solomon wrote this. There's a way that seems right to a man but in the end leads to death. Now, ladies, that means mankind, okay? Just so you know, it's not, it applies to everybody. There's a way that seems right to people, but in the end, it leads to death. And this should give us concern because we all have a tendency to lean on our own understanding 
and go with our own plans. I struggle with, personally, I struggle with that. I struggle with, as a leader, are these plans that I just came up with because of either gifting or ability or, you know, being delusional or something, are these, is this something I came up with or is this what God really wants? Is this the direction he wants us to go? See, because we can feel everything is right and feel it a hundred percent. But Solomon said, be careful because I did that and it alienated me from God and it took me off of the path he wanted me to go down. And then for Solomon, it was don't marry foreign women. But for you, it may be something else where you're trying to lean on your own understanding. We know what God says about money. We know what he says. Be generous with it. Don't trust in it. Don't find your security there. But yet, because we have the ability to make lots of money and spend lots of money, it's easy to lean on our understanding and think, well, God, I'm going to handle it this way. I just want you to know. I'm going to keep a lot of this for myself, if that's okay. That's my plan. Or God makes it very clear. If you're single and you're searching for a mate, it's pretty clear through scripture the type of person you should be looking for if you're a follower of Christ, especially. But yet, we lean on our own understanding and say, oh, but she's, mm, man, she looks really good. And he's cute. And, and, and I, yeah, I'm going to go all the way, but it's because he respects me and loves me and it's going to make the relationship even deeper. And we're just committed to each other in our hearts. That's leaning on your own understanding. God is very specific about how the marriage relationship should be between a man and a woman. He's specific. Wives, honor your husband. Husbands, honor your wives. Honor each other. And yet we think, you know what? I can just not spend time with him or her. I can just work and and be away from home and not invest in our relationship. And everything's just going to turn out okay. That's my understanding. A dozen of roses every now and then is not going to work. You've got to invest the way God says invest. Honor her. Honor him. That's God's wisdom. You know, the reason we put so much time, effort, and resources into the ministry that, that's to everyone under the adult age is because God really desires for people to get to know him at a younger age. Because if they do, then they have this foundation that will lead to much less regret in life. And that's why we do that. But, but yet, person after person I've heard say, I'll get to that. I'll respond later. I'll down the road somewhere. And we say to our kids, Look, here's who Jesus is and here's, here's why you should have him in your life. And here's all the forgiveness and grace. But I hear people tell, people have actually said to me, I'll get to it. I'll get to that later. That's leaning on your own understanding and your own plans. And if you're taking notes, write this down. God's plan is always better than my best plan. Solomon had a plan. It was a good plan. But it was not as good as God's plan. So the best that the wisest man in the world could come up with was not God's plan. So why would we think that the best we can come up with and we have great plans for where we want to get in life? Remember, God's plan is always better. People who have decided to follow Christ are people who have at some point said, I need help. I can't do this on my own. I need a better plan. And if you are going to trade your wisdom for God, you're going to have to learn to trust God with 
everything. Now, there's some things in life it's easier to trust God with than others. You're 30,000 feet in an airplane. It's easy to trust God with your safety. What other option do you have? I mean, who are you going to trust? You're not going to do anything about it. So it's like, God, keep me safe. And as our kids grow and they start to do things on their own, it's pretty easy to say, God, I trust you with them as they leave the house. As if you had a choice when they go. But what about trusting God today with my finances, with my relationship, with conflicts in relationships that I have, with choosing a mate, with what job I choose, what school I choose? What about trusting God today with that? That gets a little more difficult. So if you're looking down through life and you're thinking the path just isn't clear, God wants to make it that way. And he will when we start to live the truth of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways with all of life. Acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. He will make them clear. And you will have traded the wisdom that you try to live with for the wisdom of God that will get you to the full life that Christ promised us. Let's pray. God, thank you for the truth that comes from Scripture about your wisdom. Father, I pray that we're able to lean on that and not our own. And God, may we be challenged this week to acknowledge you in all areas of our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.